to study God's Word, right? Hey, get your Bibles out. I'm going to be reading in just a moment from Matthew's Gospel, the 16th chapter. Matthew 16, we're going to be reading some familiar words and a familiar portion in just a moment. We are returning to what we suspended last week because we had to talk a little bit about our land project and what God was saying about uh, the strategy to access that new property. And uh, I, I really, I would love to come back and just rah-rah that again, but I'm going to believe with what we shared this morning, it will only add to some of the things that we were talking about last week. I, I'm glad we live in the dispensation of the internet if you want to catch up, you can go to the website. Just go to the media link and you can go to iTunes and for absolutely free of charge, you can listen to everything we've been talking about these last weeks and you can catch up in, in no time and we encourage you uh, to do that. But this morning we're back at turning you inside out. We've been talking about the practical power of the inner man and uh, we have been endeavoring to teach you about the spiritual side of who you are. You're not just this shell of a body, but you are a spiritual entity as well. As a matter of fact, the spiritual side of you is way more important and way more real than maybe even the natural part of you. This natural part will deteriorate. I don't know about you. I'm, I, I hate to confess this. I'm going to, but I'm not like I was when I was 25 years old. Ouch. I wish that could happen. But this shell deteriorates as we begin to uh, age. The good news is our inner man can be strengthened. And, and that's the part we're trying to help you understand and focus on. And I'm just doing a little review real quick. I'm just going to review super fast. We told you that the Bible tells us that we were created in the image of God and we are, as he is triune, we are triune. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. So we live in a shell, which is a body. This body is empowered by our senses. Um, all the senses, sight, smell, uh, taste, uh, hearing, touching, all of the, the senses empower our body. And, and so that, unfortunately, for most people, is what rules them. They are ruled by their senses. And God never intended for that to happen. Uh, he intended for us to be ruled by the inner man or, or what the Bible calls our spirit. So there's the body part of who we are. The, the, the conduit or the center part of who we are we call the soul. The scripture tells us that the soul houses within it our mind. That's where we reason and we think and we analyze. A lot of times when we're trying to be rational or prudent or whatever it is, it works in our mind. The soul is where we find our feelings, our emotions. If you're feeling a certain way, if you're feeling happy or you're feeling sad, you're feeling irritated, angry, whatever myriad of emotions that go through you, it is found in your soul. And then finally, in the seat of the soul is where we call our will or our capacity to make decisions. So your soul has your mind, your will, your capacity to make decisions and your emotions. Now, I'm just, I'm just stopping here. Can you begin to see that if your mind is messed up and your emotions are messed up, you make bad decisions? I mean, that would be pretty easy to see, wouldn't it? In fact, if everything that comes to you has to be rational, logical, and make sense to your natural man or body, 
or if it comes to you and produces certain feelings which are fleeting or can change at a moment's notice and we make decisions based on these things, how many of you know it can lead you in a bad direction? In fact, it could literally lead you in a destructive direction. So the key to life and living it successfully is to live out of that portion of you that God interacts with. God isn't interacting with your mind. He's not interacting with your feeling. You know, a lot of people have made the mistake of thinking that if it makes sense, it must be God. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to go through a couple passages here even this morning again to remind you that there are things that Jesus did and the saints of old did that didn't make any sense. Not to the natural mind. And yet it was God. Some people think that if I have a certain feeling, it must be God. Oh my goodness, how many of you know pizza will give you a feeling late at night? Isn't that true? It's true. You eat too much red meat and you get indigestion and you don't know whether, you know, that's God and you're, or it's the devil. I mean, because we think of feeling somehow is spiritual. No. No, 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 no. You've got to begin to understand how your inner man works. And while it is true your inner man may, out of obedience, produce feelings, it may not. It may make sense, it may not. The key is we don't even know how in the world we, how does God work in me? We just don't know. That's, that's the inner man part we got to get a hold of. And the Bible uses two terms, either inner man or, or it uses the word spirit with the little s, not the capital S. The capital S is the Holy Ghost spirit. Amen? The little s is your inner man because you are created body, soul, and spirit. Now, God interacts with your spirit. He lives in your spirit. So everything you need. Isn't this cool? If I've opened up my heart to Jesus and he lives, we say, Jesus lives inside of me. His spirit dwells in me. Is it not cool to think that God is in here? And everything I need is in here because he's in here. Every victory you need, every Every triumph you need, the ability to overcome, the ability to, to have a solution to a problem, the ability to, to just have kingdom success in your life is in you. Greater is he who is in me, 1 John 4, 4, than he that is in the world. Wow. That, that ought to just go tilt and blow our mind. So, your potential for success for the supernatural, for every divine resource you need is limitless. Limit, everyone say limitless. Come on now, there's no ceilings, no caps, nobody's holding you back. It ain't the man, whoever that is. Because God cannot be held back. God cannot be stopped. God cannot be put in a box. You cannot paint him in a corner. You cannot hold him back. He is limitless and he lives in me, which means since he's unstoppable, I am unstoppable. Now listen, it's not because of who I am, it's because of who he is in me. Alright, now that's we got to get a hold of that. It ain't about you, you ain't all that. And I ain't either. We just these frail human beings that really in and of ourselves ain't much, but because he loved us and lives in us, wow, we have the potential to do incredible things. The problem is, now we get to today, 
The problem is all of this stuff that we amen and we go, ooh, that's good. And you take notes on and go, wow, that's great. The problem is it all sits there dormant. Because we don't know how to get what's in us out of us. We've got all this potential, but it just sits there. And so the million-dollar question for a Christian is, how do I get myself turned inside out? How do I get what's in me through him out? Now, today's lesson (laughs) I entitled, Turning the Light Bulb On. Before we're done this morning, the next, when you go home and turn a light bulb on, you're, you may get slain in the spirit. I don't know. You just, you may, God may just, he just, he may overwhelm you. I don't know. But, but, but it all starts with understanding how light bulbs get turned on. All right? You found Matthew 16? All right, I'm going to read you a passage we all know, and I want you just to listen to me as we kind of go through this. Matthew 16, verse 13, it said, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Now the Lord, the Lord's setting him up. He, he's done this on numerous occasions. He's setting him up, and he says, Who do men, and I underlined the word men, because he didn't say, Who do you think I am yet? And he didn't say, Who does God say that I am? He's just asking, What are people saying? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So in other words, everybody, they're they're basically responding by saying, everybody's trying to figure out who you are. And and, and truth of the matter is, if you try to figure out who Jesus is with your natural mind, you will go tilt. I, I often laugh because the world, when they're dealing with Jesus, it's funny to listen to them say this, because oftentimes the world will say, well, you know, I believe, I believe Jesus was a great teacher and a great philosopher and i wish i wish at that moment i could be on larry king because i would like to say well jesus said that as a that he was god and most people that have god delusions we put away in psychiatric wards so do you really believe him to be god and then just watch him squirm on national tv because you see either jesus is who he says he is, or he's a nut. I mean, don't patronize him, and don't patronize me. By going, oh, yeah, 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 I believe Jesus was this great philosopher. <laughs> well, okay, maybe, but, but he, think about what he said. And he's either a nut, or he's really God. And, and, and so he's asking these things, and, and they're trying to work through this in their natural mind. And then he said to them, but who do you? say that I am. And the only one that answers is good old Peter, verse 16. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, this is really, and I'm going to walk through this a little more slowly. He said, blessed are you. He didn't say, he didn't say you're just you're right. He didn't say good job. He didn't say uh, uh, right answer. He said, blessed, blessed are you. Now, now, this is going to be very, very important because once, once you understand what turns the light bulb on, you, you finally position yourself to be blessed. People wonder why 
they're not blessed or why God isn't working in their life. And I can tell you why. It's because this is you right here. Until this gets turned on, you can't be blessed. That's what happened to Peter. This is all of Nazareth is like this. And he's asking, who do people say that I am? And they're all throwing out their best ideas. And then finally Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, blessed are you. You're following me. Because there was a light that suddenly turned on. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because he says flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You might want to underline reveal. But my Father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I'll get to that in just a minute, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, if it's the old King James Version, shall not prevail against it, verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to stop here again. Why does, why does it, it seem as if I can't get things unlocked in my life? It's because if this is where you are, you don't have the keys yet. Are you with me? You don't get keys until a light bulb comes on. When a light bulb comes on, you got keys. How many of you know if you lost your car keys in an absolute dark room? I mean, it would just be like a pig finding an acorn if you were to run across that. What has to happen? If you want the keys, you got to turn the light on. Turn the light on. Amen. It says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then it says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I'm going to run through this, guys, back at the tech booth real fast. And if you guys are writing this down in the congregation, get your pencils or pens ready. Because here we go. There are just a couple things I want to underscore. Number one. People were trying to figure out who Jesus is by use of their natural reasoning. You've got to get to the place where maybe that's how you came. You had some curiosity. You, 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 you have sort of a, a general desire to get to know, you know, things about Christianity a little bit more, maybe things about Jesus a little bit more. And, and I guess the good news is there's a lot of people who are curious and they're trying to figure out this guy named Jesus, and we see right here people trying to figure out some things about Jesus by using their natural reasoning. Number two, Peter gets the right answer, but not through the same process. I say that to you because a lot of folks want good things to happen in their life. They want God things to happen in their life. They want the Lord to do things in their life. But our problem is if you're functioning under number one, you're never going to get there. So you've got to understand that if you want to get to the right answers in your life, it's going to come through a different process or by a different way. Everybody, and now listen, this is hard to say, but it could be, it could be in the church at large that everybody's trying to come to some God moment through the use of their natural reasoning, but I'm telling you, you will not get to God moments that way. If you do, by chance, get to a God moment that way, we can all say hallelujah, but you were the blind pig in the acorn. It may happen on occasion, but it's because you tripped into the will of God, not because you stepped into the will of God. Number three, Jesus says that his answer, Peter's answer, came through revelation knowledge. In other words, he says, Peter, no man, flesh and blood, no man told you these things. You weren't taught into this. You weren't, 
you weren't uh, uh, reasoned into this, but, but this was revealed to you. Revelation. We'll talk more about that. Number four, revelation, he said, is the foundation or it is the rock of victorious living. If you want to understand how you can consistently be victorious, how you can consistently be an overcomer, triumphant, see kingdom things happen in your life, we're going to get to binding and loosing and all the other things that are promised to us as believers. If you want this to happen in your life, folks, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be outside of your natural reasoning. There are things that won't make sense but are still right because that's how the kingdom works, not necessarily the world. And so the rock, the rock is the revelation. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And I'll tell you what the Lord said to me in this, in all of this, as this has been going on this last season. I can listen to architects and engineers and bankers and financiers. I can listen to everybody's idea about how it is you should go about building a church. And this is how we've done it. And this is how it's set up. And here's the schematic and the plan and this and that and the other. And I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But there comes a moment that you step out of natural thoughts and you got to get back to what God has said. Listen to me. God has not called us to build a church. He's told us to proclaim and build a kingdom. And he says that if you'll take care of kingdom things, Jesus said, I will build my church. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And that's what he's saying right here. He's saying upon this rock, upon revelation, if my people will, will begin to see and hear what I am saying to them, and why should this be strange to us? Jesus said, I can only do what the Father says to me. That's how Jesus ran his ministry. He said, I will build my church. Number five. He says, all the powers of hell cannot prevail against revelation knowledge. So if you get a revelation of something, even though the enemy, the devil, might throw everything he's got at you, here's the good news. All the powers of hell cannot stop what God has said. Now, I'll tell you why the enemy stops so many things in our life. It's because we've tried to figure it out in our natural. And because we've tried to figure it out in our natural brain, all the enemy has to do is throw another couple voices in there, and he gets us double-minded. And then we're unstable in all our ways. But Jesus said, he said, I'll build my church upon this rock and hell will not be able to prevail against it. Number six, revelation knowledge. He then goes on to say is the key to accessing divine resource. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. You get a revelation. You see, that's the that's the point. God doesn't God's not going to give you a key because you're so smart and you figured it out on your own. God hands keys to those that may not be nearly as bright, not nearly as skilled, not nearly as adept, but he gives keys to those who by revelation can say, this is the will of God. He said, I'll hand you a key. And you may be the most unlikely one of all to do this thing. But because you're open to hearing my voice and seeing what I'm doing, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And it is that person who will unlock doors to divine resource. And then finally, I just put for number seven, earth must respond to the application of revelation knowledge. He says, whatever you bind on, 
Bind in heaven will be bound where? On earth, sure. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed where? In heaven. I mean, it, it, there's this transaction that takes place between heaven and earth. But that doesn't happen unless you've got, you've got a revelation. Now, we're going to talk about this this morning right now. Revelation. What is revelation knowledge? <clears throat> Let me just explain it like this. Revelation knowledge is when you hear something, like you're listening to me right now. Maybe, maybe you, you're hearing something for the first time, or maybe you're hearing something for the 1,000th time. But revelation is when you hear something, and though it may be for the 1,000th time, it seems like it's the first time. Because when this, this information, so to speak, comes to you, inside, something happens. A light comes on. It's hard to explain any other way. You, you've heard things that maybe you've heard before, but this time you heard it differently. I call it the aha moment. it's the moment, for instance, that you say to yourself, oh, now I get it. It's like you heard it and heard it and heard it, but you were not quite getting your arms wrapped around it, but it's like now you get it. You've connected the dots. It's as if you were able to say, oh, oh, you mean mean that if I, then this, I get it. It, It's like reading the Bible for a hundred times, and that 101st time you're reading it, it's as if God leaps off the pages to you and it's as if this voice is saying this is for you do this receive this embrace this follow this it's deeper than information see that's our problem in the church we we are the information literally generation we can get information worldwide over an internet 24 7 we can look up anything we want to look up find out about anything we want to find out about we've got all this information but information has done us no good we've got people who and again i'm not i'm not undermining their their testimony i'm just simply saying they they say they love god they understand the story of the passion of christ they know that he came he lived he died for their sins he rose on the third day he ascended into heaven they know the story they've got the information of the story but it hasn't produced any discernible difference in how they live whether it be overcoming sin or whether it be accessing blessing It's not made a lick of difference. It's not become revelation. Revelation, when you get revelation, you see, a part of revelation is that a conviction comes with it. And what I mean by conviction is this. It's the moment, the moment that light bulb turns on. It's as if you go, I know, and you're unshakable in it. It's as if nothing can, nothing can change your mind. Nothing can turn you around. You can't be argued out of it. It is settled. It isn't up for debate or analysis. It literally means, I put it on the screen, it means to unveil. Something has, the curtain has been drawn back on something. You have seen something or sensed something that maybe nobody else has seen or sensed, but you cannot be talked out of it. Paul put it this way, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He could not be talked out of that road to Damascus experience when Jesus knocked him off his horse, blinded his eyes. He argued with the Greeks. He reasoned with the Sanhedrin and it did not matter what anybody said to him. He knew that he knew that he knew. That is revelation. Revelation. I've told the story often. One of my favorite people is, is Wesley. I love to talk about Wesley and Whitfield. 
I'm going to tell you the story quickly. Wesley, in his early days, came to America, actually came to Georgia in the Savannah area, tried to preach the gospel to the Indians. And uh, it was an utter failure. He irritated everybody. Not only irritated the Native Americans, but he irritated the governor and the governor's daughter. And it just, it was a mess. Wesley, John Wesley, it was a mess. And he gets on this ship and he sails back to England and he's discouraged and he's, 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 I'm sure going through all the issues a person would go through when you've been a failure and people know you failed. And he meets a Moravian missionary by the name of Peter Bolaire who sees him commiserating, I can just envision it, on the side of the ship. Wesley tells him the story. And uh, he tells Bolaire that he doesn't even feel like he'd probably saved. And he's just, he's just depressed and discouraged. Now think about this. He went in the 1700s across the ocean to be a missionary, and he's wondering if he's even saved. And Bolaire looks at him, and this is all Bolaire says that we're aware of. I'm sure he said more than this, but Bolaire said... He said this, he said, preach faith until you get it. That's all he said. Now, in our modern vernacular, this is what, this is what probably it would translate into. John, you, you've got to change your confession and you've got to start speaking faith. You've got to start speaking what God has said. You've got to start declaring what this says and not just what you see. And so he goes home to England I'm sure he's still working through all of this. And the Bible says, it's an interesting thing, not the Bible, but his journal. The journal says, as you read it, you find May 24, 1738. It's 9.45 in the evening. And the, the journal, Wesley's journal says, that he came down from his, from his apartment or wherever he was being housed. He was walking down a little street by the name of Aldersgate. And all of a sudden he said, this is really weird. He said, I heard the epistle... The preface, excuse me, the preface to the epistle of the Romans by Luther being read out a window. Like, how often would that happen? Uh, and so, it, and he said, all of a sudden, as he was walking, this is, this is his own account in his journal, he said, my heart was strangely warmed. My heart was strangely warmed. And after that point on Aldersgate Street, suddenly the whole tenor of his life changes. He goes back to America. In fact, he is what we describe as the founder of Methodism. And whatever you may think of Methodism today, I can tell you back in his era, it was, it was a fervent move of God. I mean, just you can see the fruit of what he did because there are more Methodist churches in America than there are post offices. I mean, that was the fruit of his work. Here was a guy who failed miserably in doing the, what he thought to be the will of God. But all of a sudden, he's just walking down a street and the, the light comes on. He describes it as his heart is strangely warmed. And after that, he has this revelation that everything about his life suddenly shifts and changes and there is a kingdom success that comes to him. Folks, the greatest problem we have right now in American Christianity is that we have pulpits who will preach to us, and, and they're good men, women, and, and they're talking about the gospel and teaching us the gospel, but our problem is, is we receive it as information, and it's never become revelation. So we, we say we believe the right stuff, 
But it really, I'm not sure so much is believing the right stuff as much as we've assimilated information. It does us no good because as information, that's all it is. It's just like things we read in the paper. It's just like the phone book. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, the best-selling books that uh, writers write on the New York Times list. You see, until something happens that switches information to revelation, we never see what God says you and I can do. Information, listen to me. You can have all the information about this book and God that's available and you'll not conquer hell. But you can have one word of revelation and you'll beat hell back off your life. Are you following me? Last week I shared with you about planning a cross. You know what? All of us here, if you've hung around me, you've heard a lot of messages on the cross. You've heard about the power of the cross. These things are in order. But, but I'm just telling you, I got another level of revelation about the cross. I started to get a light in me that turned on about what God would do with our land when we planted a cross. And there was something to me. Now get this. Listen, at 18 years of age, I went to college to study for the ministry. I've been through more Bible college type classes than you can count. I went to a seminary. I went to graduate school. I got my master's in divinity. I've, I, I know the Greek fluently. I, I've, I've, I've got all the degrees behind my name that maybe would impress the world. I, I'm not I'm saying it to impress you. I'm saying it to you because I had to get delivered from it. That's what some people's problems is. They've got, they need a brain deliverance. Because I've got all this information that you would have thought would have been most helpful to do the work of the ministry. But the problem is, it was information, but it never became revelation. You can know all mysteries. You can have a handle on all sorts of things. But until that becomes revelation to you, it does you no good. So once you get revelation, this is the cool part. Once you get revelation... And, and this is the part that I was telling Trace the other day, is that there's something that has inside of me that turned. I was just analyzing it again. There was something inside of me that turned that suddenly I realized that nothing can stop me to putting a cross on that property. It was like before, I just, I, I just, it would wear me out thinking I'm going to talk to somebody else and they're going to say no and how am I going to do this? And you know, all of a sudden there's something in me that says, give me a thousand no's. I still got my yes coming. See, that's why Paul said that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Because the problem is when we got information, it's easy to be given other information that talks you out of the original information. But when you've got revelation, it doesn't matter what the information may be. Because I've got insight that you don't have. And the reason we don't see miracles, and the reason we don't see the exceeding abundant thing come to pass, is because it starts, hear me, it starts with getting some lights turned on. You say, well, well I believe in healing, do you? Or do you have a revelation of healing? Are you following me? You say, well, well I, I, I believe in, in deliverance. Well, great. But do you have a revelation of that? Yeah, I believe God can do everything because the very nature and definition of God is he can do anything he wants to do. 
But that doesn't help you until that becomes a revelation in you. Now, let's go through this. Revelation, knowledge versus reason, knowledge. I'm going to move quickly. Genesis, the first three chapters, tell us that God's original intent for humanity was that man was to have dominion over everything in the earth. I'm not going to read you three chapters. We all know God's purpose in Adam and Eve were that they were to exercise dominion over everything. They were given unlimited resources, unlimited abilities. They were given access to God's wisdom and direction. We all remember that they walked with God. They talked with God. I mean, God brought all the animals by uh, Adam. And Adam, the Bible says, named every single animal. That's remarkable to me. A mosquito comes by and he says, mosquito. Think about that. You know, elephant. And he, and he, and he named all these names. I don't know. I, I'd run out of names after about three or four. But, but he named every animal. How did he do these things? Revelation. He had this unencumbered relationship with God. The only thing they were told to avoid was the tree of the what? Oh, knowledge. Now, you see, what I did was I played into what the world thinks is their typical perspective. Yeah, we know you Christians, you just turn your brains off. No, 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 no. We haven't. We, we've turned our brains off to you. The reason being is because whatever you say changes. Whatever God says is forever established in the heavens, unchangeable. It's not a matter of just turning the brain off. It's choosing what to assimilate in there. And they were told to avoid the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, it wasn't just to avoid knowledge because we could say to ourselves, well, it seems to me that it would be a good thing to have knowledge. It would be a good thing to especially know the difference between good and evil. I thought I was supposed to know the difference between good and evil and embrace one and avoid the other. The problem with the tree was they would begin, as the enemy said to them as he was enticing them, that they would begin to know within themselves what they thought was good and what they thought was evil. You see, up to this time, all of their knowledge came through what God had revealed to them. That's why they were innocent. All their knowledge of wrong and right, all their knowledge of where to go and what to do and how to do it, came from their relationship and direct revelation from God himself. It was a most amazing thing in the beginning. Because everything they needed would come from the voice and the unveiling of God himself. But Satan, as he comes as a serpent, enticed them both into reasoning. Most of you know these first three chapters. You know that when the serpent comes to Eve and he begins to reason with her and he begins to say to her, he says, you will know the reason God doesn't want you to, to take of this is because he'll know that in that day your eyes will be opened and you will begin to know what he knows. And so he deceived them into thinking they no longer needed revelation from God, but he deceived them into thinking that they could know within themselves what they should or should not do. Folks, that's our problem to this day. We gather up together, even as children of God and the people of God, and we reason within ourselves what we think is the good way or the wrong way. I'm just not talking about sin and righteousness. I'm talking about just figuring out, should I work at Walmart or Target? Should I live in South Carolina or California? 
And so he begins to, what does he do? He goes to their senses. She begins to see that it does look good for food. She's enticed by it. She touches it. And she finds out that even though she touched it, it didn't kill her or anything. And it does look pleasing. And so Satan entices her to her senses. And out of her senses, she does what seems to make sense. And to this day, our senses pull us back to our reasoning. We have a world that's looking at us saying, Recession! And we hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it until finally we all go, well, then I must be in recession. So therefore, my wages must be going down. Therefore, I'm probably going to lose my job. Therefore, I may get laid off. And, and what do we do? Our, it pulls us in our senses right back into a system that cannot help us. And then we even pray. We'll go, we'll say, Lord, Lord, we're in a recession. Oh, help me. We're in, we're in a bad spot. We're in this and we're in that. Listen, God, God's not in a recession. God's not having money problems. God's not having any problem. But we're wanting things to make sense. But the key is God doesn't always work in what makes sense. And so what happens? A curse enters in with that reasoning. That's what happens. Man soon learned that you can't fulfill God's purposes by living out of reason. What does it say in Isaiah 55? Flash it, guys. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Put it on the screen. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my your ways my ways, says the Lord. So you understand what God thinks isn't what we normally think. And it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That verse tells me right there that most of the time what I think isn't probably going to be on target until I get what he's thinking by revelation jump over to proverbs this one everyone knows proverbs trust in the lord with all your heart and what 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 what? no not too fast and what and what and what on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path abraham and sarah you know the story they had a word from god that they were going to birth A promise in their old age. Remember how old they were? It was impossible. And what happened? What happened was they began to think about it and reasoned with it. They both did. They're both at fault here because what Sarah does is she gives Abraham Hagar. It's the weirdest thing I've ever read. She says, well, I can't give birth, so here, I'll give you my handmaiden and you procreate with her. Isn't that weird? I mean, it's just weird, but that's what reasoning will do. And so what what happens out of that is Ishmael is born. How many of you know Ishmael, while he was a human being and, and God loves humans, that ended up being a curse. Because they were going to reason their way even into the promise of God. Moses used his own thoughts at one time and killed an Egyptian. So what did God do? God had to send Moses to the wilderness for 40 years before he was allowed to come back to the very place that God had put him in order to be, so to speak, the light or the word of God in that situation. Have you ever wondered why in the world God sent him into a wilderness for 40 years just to bring him back to the same place he took him from? It's because he had to weed reasoning out of Moses. Some of you are in wildernesses because you are so busy trying to reason your way to God's plan that you're missing what God says to do that doesn't make any sense to you at all. 
And he's weeding reasonings out. The reason the American church is in a wilderness, and what I mean by that is, is that there just doesn't seem to be power in us as a people here, is because we've left revelation knowledge for reasoned knowledge. Listen to me. We, we now no longer try to hear from God. We just start marketing and strategizing and structuring and budgeting and programming. I mean, we're as good as Walmart or McDonald's. We'll franchise the thing. And somehow we've gotten this idea that we ought, and, and I've heard it preached, if the world does it so well, we ought to be doing it. You know, we ought to show the world we're just like them. I am not like them. I'm not. Because the kingdoms of this world, this book tells me, are crumbling. So I'm not building something that crumbles. You say, well, I... I can look around and I can see people who do it like Walmart and people like IBM. And Hey, it doesn't mean it crumbles tomorrow. But I'm just telling you, Jesus said, the rock you build on is revelation. And he says, I will build my church so that hell cannot stop it. People aren't in victory because we are giving them what we think is relevant, but it is not revelational. Honey, pray for me right now. Everybody put your hands and say, Lord, give them a good spirit. Give them a good spirit. Help them to be sweet right now, Lord. Help him, help him, help him, Jesus. I could give you a message about five ways to have a better relationship with your next door neighbor. And maybe you need one. And God knows we probably need to be better to our next door neighbors. But then we wonder why we get in the, well, excuse me, the hell knocked out of us or knocked in us. It's, be, it's because no light. The light hadn't been turned on. We're trying, I, I think the motive is, is okay. We're trying to help people, but we don't understand that you don't help people by just feeding them information. Folks, I, I'm going to let you in. It's called Google. Go home and Google. And you can Google anything you want to know about. But if you want revelation, you're going to have to get it by another way than Google. Are you following me? It's not, we don't lack access to information. We are lacking access to power. That information has not produced power. It hadn't healed one more person. It hadn't delivered one more person. We hadn't raised one more person from the dead. We certainly haven't seen the supernatural things I would like to think could happen. I'm not just casting stones. I'm talking to myself. If I want God to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think, it's going to be because of the power that works in me that cannot be accessed unless it's unveiled to me. And so that's why the churches in America are lights out. Despite the fact we have all kinds of lights on the wall. The one important light hadn't turned on yet. And that's the one we've got to get turned on. So how do I receive revelation knowledge? Going to work through this quick. Zip, zip, zip. Are you listening fast? Okay. Two prerequisites, real quick. Two prerequisites, and then I'm going to give you the rest. All known sin should be under the blood. What did sin do to Adam and Eve? 
Well, it broke the connection, did it not, that existed between God and themselves. Sin always breaks revelation connection. Whenever we're in known sin, now I know we've all sinned, there's sins of omission and commission, I got it. But when we're in known sin that we refuse to deal with, it breaks the connection of being able to hear from God. It's static. And so we've got to get sin under the blood so that we can begin to hear God again. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, flash it, guys, real quick. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Next verse. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So that's why it's so critically important that the sin comes under the blood because it cuts off our ability to hear from God. Number two, and I believe this, that we've got to repent from an unteachable spirit. Revelation is given to a humble and teachable person, not the arrogant and the proud. The greatest problem I wrote down here for many is that they're too smart for their own good. Sometimes the hardest people to reach are the, are the well-educated. Now, it's not because Jesus doesn't love them and he can't reach them. But, but, but I mean, I'm a perfect story. I, I mean, I'm educated to the... I had to get a deliverance service over it. I mean, I, 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 can I just tell you something? Once, once you have reached a pinnacle of, of, of training or educational input, and then you get delivered over it, the main, most amazing thing is, is that I can look at doctors and lawyers and now and I just look at them and go, you, are, you have smarted your way into a corner. You are so smart. And, and the problem is, is that a lot of the well-educated make so much money that they just think because they have a lot of money in the bank that that must mean God is blessing them. And it doesn't mean anything like that. Now, I'm not, I'm not picking on them, but I'm just saying that everybody's got to humble themselves at the cross. No, no, not one, one group doesn't get to stand and one gets to kneel. And that's why God oftentimes reaches out and can reach ordinary, simple, plain people. Don't, don't allow those words to offend you. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He will pluck out someone who's dumb as a doorstop and cause them to speak to the nations. I, I can't go down through the list of people, but there are voices right now. Many people do not know this, and I won't use the name because if I use the name, it would alienate some. But I know of a person right now that did not graduate from high school, did not graduate from college, but right now he has the ear of the nation. Just simple, plain, ordinary folk. And God just says, I'll use you. Because it's not about how much information you've acquired. It's not about, it's not about the languages you know and what all you speak. It's not about that. It's, 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 it's about whether or not you believe God can speak and you can hear and then you will obey. So how do we position ourselves? I'm going to go through this real quick. How, how, how do we, I'm going to help you right now. Number one, you got to pursue an experience with the Holy Spirit. That's where revelation starts. Now, John 16, 12, and 13, flash it. For I still have many things, Jesus says, to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Next verse. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak and he will tell you, and some of your versions will literally say he will reveal to you that which is to come. We've got to begin to understand that the job description of the Holy Spirit is to reveal things to you. Without an ongoing appreciation of the Holy Spirit, revelation knowledge will be tough. 
So that's why we just honor the place of the Holy Spirit here in this church. Because if he's not here, revelation can't happen. I've told you the story. 1986, I was up in cold Sandusky, Ohio. And Tracy and I were there and we were in a pastor's conference. Now listen to me. I had all of this training. I had all this information. I'd memorized all these verses. I mean, I, I mean, everything you would have thought to be in order, I think probably would have been declared in order. But I'm telling you, there was a man that came and spoke to us. And every time I was in his presence, it was as if lights turned on. And I remember at first I struggled with this whole thing because it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've read this passage a hundred times and I've never seen what he's saying. But it was like, it was like all of a sudden I was seeing things differently. And, and the reason I was seeing things differently is because God was reaching out to me by his spirit. And I began to pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit out of that. And I can tell you the truth that when I opened up my life to have a, a, a relationship, sure, with Jesus and I was born again. But when I opened up my life to experience the fullness of the spirit, I remember when I went back to the Bible, it was as if it was the first time I'd ever read it in my life. I started to see things I'd never seen and hear things I never heard. God was literally bringing things off the pages to me. I'd gone to seminary and graduate school. I had letters behind my name, but I was dark as the night, but one minute with the Holy Spirit. The light comes on. The light comes on. So that's why we honor the Holy Ghost here. You don't have to come on Wednesday night to find the Holy Ghost a legacy. Because, because I'm just telling you, between the cross and, and the ministry of the Spirit, that's our only hope. Number two, an atmosphere of revelation births revelation. I'm a great believer in atmosphere. Not everything is taught, some things are caught. I don't know about you, have you ever, have you ever been listening to a message, like maybe now, and all of a sudden there's this other message that's stirring around in your mind? Man, that happens to me all the time. It's not that I don't want to listen or I'm not listening or shouldn't listen, but it's like I'm hearing what's being taught or preached and then all of a sudden my mind starts going. Do you understand that's the spirit of revelation? That God is beginning to move in you to share with you or speak to you and say things to you that even transcend what I am teaching you at this very moment. The Bible says deep calls unto deep. And I believe that when we're in an atmosphere where deep things take place, I've had people walk out and go, wow, that's kind of a, 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 a deep place or a deep ministry. I don't think we're really all that deep. We just deal with revelation. But I will say this, just as deep calls unto deep, I believe shallow calls unto shallow. So I got to be around some people or some place where they're serious about the things of God and they're pressing into a greater measure of understanding. It's not that people are bad or this or that. Everybody's got their own call. But my call is to, is to call you out to a place that you're going to have to either sink or swim because that's where miracles happen. Come on, you'll never, you'll never walk on water till you get out of some boats. Amen. Number three, practice. I put Christian meditation along with your study. Meditation is really a biblical word for imagination. And we're going to get to the imagination here in the next couple of weeks. If you've never had anybody teach you on the imagination, uh, you're going to just be blown away because your imagination is one of the keys that God uses to unlock a different future for you. It is literally, meditation though, is literally pondering and musing over God's word. 
So as you study God's word and as you read it, you need to ponder what was being said. And the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal and unveil things to you. For instance, uh, Isaiah 53, by his stripes, we were healed. Well, that can be information to you. Or you can begin to meditate and muse on that. By his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. It's not theology. It's not doctrine anymore. It's real. It's been unveiled. By his stripes, I'm healed. See, that's when cancer is pushed out. See, that's when AIDS is addressed. That's when, whether it's colds or stomach viruses or blood diseases or infections, that's, it's when that un- unveiling takes place that, that you say, well, my body feels, so what? I've got it. I've got it. By his stripes, I'm healed. The disciples were on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. You know the story. It was right after Jesus' death, and they're w- actually walking with Jesus. It's kind of an amazing story. And they aren't even, they aren't even getting what's going on. Until he sits down, he breaks bread, the scripture tells us, and all of a sudden he vanishes, and and the Bible says that their eyes were awakened at that moment. And the Bible also tells us when they began to evaluate what had just happened, they said the very words, did our hearts not burn when he unveiled to us the scriptures? When you come to church, I don't say it happens every time, But on occasion, I would hope it would happen, that there are moments that just a divine happening takes place, and as pastor speaking to you, there's something inside of you that's burning. There's a moment where something's happening that's deeper than just the information overload hour. There's something inside of you that is wanting to just just break out, and that's revelation. And sometimes you got to soak in that, and, 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 and you've got to allow that to overtake you. And, and soak in his presence. And so you practice what I call Christian meditation. Don't let the New Agers take everything from you. I'm tired of t- legitimate Christian concepts and people hijack it, then we get scared. Hey, I have about 10 sermons going here at once. Number four. Hey, pray for a revelation word. I'm coming for a landing here. Pray for a revelation word. Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. This is what Paul prayed. He said, I pray. He said, I've heard of your faith. In the Lord, your love for the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in our prayers. Let's go. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You want to know what God's called you to do? you got to get an unveiling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Do you need a blessing to come your direction? There you go. Get an unveiling. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? You can know a lot of things, but that has to become revelation to you. And sometimes we have not because we ask not. If you need a healing, then maybe you need to get down on your knees and say, Lord, Unveil to me your will to heal. Unveil to me your will to meet all my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Unveil to me my purpose so that I am not tossed to and fro like a like an unstable man. But I know that I know that I know this is what you have called me to do.
You got to ask sometimes. You have not because you ask not. Number five, and this will be it, and I got to stop. Whenever, whenever I worship, whenever I sing, whenever I get lost in God's presence, revelations birthed in me. I have found that if I pray and if I worship, whether, and, 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 and I know as soon as I say this, I'll have a, a, another question, but I, I, I sing in the Spirit and I sing in understanding. I pray in the Spirit and I pray in understanding. And through these things, God begins to unveil to me what it is that he's wanting to say. I was driving through the weekend uh, through John's Island. Trace and I were over there. And uh, we were just driving around. We drove by the property, just was looking at that again. And uh, drove through a couple neighborhoods, just looking. We like to go on drives. Anybody else like to go on drives? I mean, you just, I don't know, you do your Sunday afternoon drive, you know. Just, just go take a drive somewhere. We like to do that. Took a drive. And as we were completing the drive and we were heading back toward home, I, I, I looked at her and I said, you know, it's not like I ever, and, and I want to say this carefully, it's not like I ever doubted this is where we're supposed to be, this is what we're supposed to do. But, you know, a lot of times, uh, I'm going to go back to it, if your heart really is to obey God, he will allow you to trip over his will. Now this, I don't know if I can prove this by the scripture, but I believe this to be true. I have tripped over the will of God more times than I can count because my heart really is to obey him. I'm not trying to get out of it. I want his will. And, and so a lot of times if I'm dull of hearing or if I don't have perception, I believe that the steps of the righteous are ordered and sometimes he just lets me trip. There, there's the will of God. You fell into it. And so that's providence. We call that providence. And I believe that's true. Now, can I just say, I don't know that that's God's highest will for our life. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of us live and presume on his providence and sovereignty. And I'm glad for it, but I really believe that God wants to be way more intentional than most of us live. And I was telling Trace, just as we were driving, I said, you know, and those of you, I just... Everybody loves me, right? No matter what I say, you're just going to love me. Because I'm just, if you want me to be transparent, you're going to have to love me when I say dumb things, all right? But in the natural, I always had this thing going, hmm, John's Island. Kind of rural. You know, I grew up on the farm. I mean, I hope I don't offend you guys. I, I, but but it, was, it was like, God, Lord, is this a blessing or is this like a test? You know? <laughs> really? Listen, listen, though. I mean, I could say all the things that would just unveil just my smallness. But as we were driving there, I told Trace, I said, you know, for the first time in my life, as I'm on this island, it has become the center of the universe for me. I can see it. I no longer see farmers and outcasts and just rural folk. And I know there's Kiowa and Seabrook, so I know there's people of means. But I said I don't see. I I, I don't see. I don't see this anymore. I, I I see it as the center of the universe. I can, I can see that cross. I can, I, I, can, I can see people saying to themselves, what in the world are we coming here for? Because it's God. And I can, 
I can hear people going, well, I'd have never chose this. I'd have never done that. You're right, because you didn't have a revelation of it. And for the first, I, I, I hate to say it, I almost, it sounds terrible. For the first time in my life, I loved people. No, it's not like, that's not exactly, no, that's not it. That's not, that's not exactly it. It almost sounds like it though, doesn't it? I mean, because people would get offended by that. I know you would. I just, but I'm just trying to be honest with you. How have you, how many of you have ever gone somewhere that you, that you said yes to God, but it wasn't like you to put that on the top of your list? Yeah, come on. Don't be holy on me. But there was something at that, I'm telling you though, there was something at that moment that just so ignited in me. Why, why is that? Because a, Now, hear me. This whole time, you notice I've been flipping one light. If any two agree on earth as touching it in heaven, what? Isaiah 60, and I'm done. See if this doesn't say anything different to you. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart will swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. I tell you what I saw at that moment. I just saw, I saw people who wouldn't have given a second thought to John's Island getting on airplanes and jets and boats and cars and buses and saying, there's an open heaven there. I wouldn't have thought, why would God, and then they'll even talk. They'll say, well, I, don't, I don't get why God would do it there. He, he, he would do it there in order to demonstrate he can do it anywhere. And they'll come and they'll say, if God will do it here <laughs> with those people, <laughs> with that pastor, oh my God, he would do it for us. Some of you have a great future, but the pr problem is you don't have a revelation. Some of you want God to do big things, but you don't have your revelation. Some, some of you can dream and think and want and desire, but you haven't got your revelation yet. Here's the good news. You can. Laura, real quick, grab your people. Just come up here. I'm going to pray right now. Well, Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. I'm going to pray for Legacy Church. I don't, I don't let, let me say, I don't believe I am even in Paul's league. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't know that we're in the Ephesian church's league, so we'll just all stipulate right now. We're just... We're just doing our best to follow the will of God. 
But I believe if that's the pattern that we were left, it's the one we should embrace. I want you to stand right now. Everybody's standing. Father, I pray right now what the Apostle Paul of old prayed for each person that's in this room. I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding would be opened. There are people in this room that are needing, they are desperately needing a God moment in their life. And Lord, I believe the only thing that's standing between them and that moment is simply an unveiling that only you can do. That they, that they now see what it is that they're believing you for. Lord, I pray that the spirit of revelation and of truth might come and descend and settle in amongst us this morning. I pray, Lord, not for more information. Lord, may their notes be burned in their car if it turns into information. I pray that somehow revelation would come. That they might know what is the hope of their calling. People are struggling. God, what are you calling me to do? What's my future? Where am I to go? What am I to do? How am I to work? Should I go to school? Should I not go to school? Oh God, I'm just confused. I speak stability because revelation is coming. It will be as a rock that hell cannot cause instability in your life. That they might know the hope of your calling. That they might know the riches of their inheritance, Lord. For where you guide, you provide. There are people here that are saying, how am I going to pay for that thing? If you get a revelation, I assure you, resource will come. There is no doubt in my mind or heart, resource will come. Lord, let their eyes be open right now. Let their eyes be open. I suspect there may be some here that, that probably need to start at square zero and just get the, the simple initial revelation that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Come on, you got to start there. you got to start by knowing that everything Jesus is and everything Jesus has done is more than enough to give you not only hope and help in this world, but to give you a home eternally forever with Him. What's the revelation you need this morning? It could be you have not because you ask not. What's the problem that's so massive that you don't think there's a solution for? Can I share this with you? I believe that if you got a revelation, the problem would be solved. Spirit of God, Spirit of Revelation, unveil our eyes this morning on all that you're doing. We're going to begin to worship on right now what is it you need to hear from God about it is it is your opportunity to slip out and come come down right here to the wells of the church right now I want you to slip out if you're needing the light to turn on in some area listen the light bulbs are on it's, it's our illustration what Lord I need I need a word I need I need understanding I need revelation maybe it's in a relationship maybe maybe it's at the job place your resource your bills your, your physical body a healing come on you're waiting for a, a man of God or a woman of God just to simply lay hands on you and, and it's all fixed you know sometimes you gotta dig in until you get a revelation I believe I believe we're open to turn some lights on right now
We're going to worship you, oh God. Come on, let's just worship you, Lord. Just worship right now. Just worship him. Before we sing a song, just begin to spontaneously just begin to worship the Lord. We worship you, oh God. We worship you, oh God. We invite you. We invite you to pull back the curtain. Unveil your will. Reveal your plan, oh God. Just, just one word. Just one word. Deep, deep, just calling to deep. Oh, we pray, we pray in understanding. We pray in the Spirit when we don't know what to pray. Oh, we just reach out right now for answers. For solutions. Oh, I declare the light is turning on. Oh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways, no, they're not your ways. But I'm giving you an answer. Yes, I'm giving you an answer.
opening. Come on, get your revelation right now. My healing. My future. My triumph. My cross. I got it. Oh, I got it. You, you don't. You don't even know half. The half has yet been told. But I got it. Come on, reach out and get it. Reach out and get it. Lord, I got. I got. I got. I got this pressure. I've got this issue. Come on. I got my answer. I got it. I got it. I got it. Bring it down, guys. And we're going to cut them loose. Father, I pray right now to every single person under the sound of my voice that they would now be able to not just trip into what it is they thought was probably your will. But Lord, they will now, because of the unveiling, step into the will and the heart of God because they know. I know that I know that I know. If Listen, if, if, if this morning you would walk away and say, but pastor, I don't know that I do know yet. I don't want, I, I'm not trying to lead you into a fantasy or a lie, but listen, you, you got, if you've read it to be so, then you need to keep it on your knees until you get it. Preach faith till you get it. Speak faith till you get it. Until you can say, I know. I know. I know you don't have to prove it to anybody. You don't have to run around and convince. You know, sometimes we do that. We run around convincing everybody else because we're not convinced ourselves. Come on. If you're convinced, just rest in it. That's what the rest of God is. 